the ten year time jump was great because he went from being childish whiny baby to, you know, yeah. grown man who was a street fighter. Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about the books we'd like to recommend. And Rachel and Sabrina are joining us for another double review of a book that is part two in a series. This one is called Between the Wild Branches, right? Yes. And we're really excited. And tell us how you say the author's name. Carnelin Cossett. All right. Yes. We mispronounced it from for many months before we realized <laughs> that it is actually Connie Lynn. So, and yes. this is the second book in the series, right? Yes. Yes. It, yes. She's written three series. And so this is her third series. It's called The Covenant House. And we are specifically focusing on the second book in the series. Exciting. I'm yeah. guessing that's because the second book is the most recent one, right? Yes. Just came out in July. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is biblical historical fiction. Can you tell us a little bit about when it is set? In the Old Testament. So it's back when the children of Israel were first becoming a thing and when they were establishing themselves as sort of a, a people group. Okay. And who are some of the main characters? So in this specific book, in the second book, Lucio is one of the main characters in Shoshana. You meet both of them in the first book, but they kind of play minor characters. He was a lot younger in the first book. I think this book takes place five, ten, ten, ten years. years later. Yeah, ten years yeah. after the first book. So he was a young man, 15, 16 years old in the first book, and he was not my favorite character. I was sort of not looking forward to reading this book because I was like, ugh, he was super whiny. So just a little bit of, of premise from the first book, his older sister, Elora, and he were living in a city. Their parents were dead. They were living with their uncle and his family, and they were not fabulous people. And they ran away because the uncle was a jerk and was beating people up and all that kind of stuff. So they ended up running away, and she was 12, and he was, I think, 8 at the time. I think so, Something yeah, because like there's, like, so many time jumps okay. in both of these books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so they ran away, and they were sort of trying to figure out how to live on their own, and they ended up attaching themselves to this Jewish family that sort of lived off in the mountains up by the cedar trees and that family basically adopted them and like treated them like they were own their own and throughout all of that Lucio was just like wah these nice people adopted me and I hate them and I was like what is wrong with you it just bugged right like so it bugged me right so ungrateful I was just like do you have any idea how lucky you are there's so many people whose real families don't treat them like that so that was a little bit of judgment and poor perspective on my part but that was sort of my mentality going into this book I was like man, I don't want to read about this kid. But thankfully, he grew up. So okay, that's I think that's the 10 year time jump was great because he went from being childish, whiny baby to, you know, yeah. grown man who was a street fighter. Who UFC, turned, baby. Turned, <laughs> turned into, existed back then. I mean, it very much feels that way based on the way they fight. Oh, interesting. Um, turned into very popular fighter like everyone knew him as demon eyes because he had one blue eye and one brown eye. Oh, heterochromia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. So, of course, back then that was considered like you're possessed by a demon because your eyes are different colors. So yeah. he and he was just such a fierce fighter. He was undefeated it's and he was just tall. brutal. Yeah. And so he definitely was super popular and they would have fights and he would make money. And, and so he was actually very wealthy as well as being very, very popular. So but he was trying really hard to get out from under his uncle. So when he ran away from his sister, Laura, and the family that had adopted them, he went back to the city where he grew up. Yeah, I can never say that. Ashdod. Thank you. And went back to his uncle and was like, 
trained me to be a fighter like what you were going to do when I was younger. And at this point, he was very tall, very muscular, and his uncle immediately saw dollar signs and was like, absolutely. So he's been under his thumb for 10 years, and that's what he's been working to get out from under. So that's when he kind of hatches and devises this plan to become the master of games. Mm -hmm. And so that he controls all of the type of any sort of games, whether it's like the ship racing or the street fighting or festivals. So think like Roman times, how the emperors, the Caesars, they would host the games because it would basically distract people from the reality of their lives. Right. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) it was similar in this time frame. They would have the master of games and their job would be to entertain the people. Um, And he wanted that position because it was very it was like right below the king. So So basically like Parks and Rec. Yes. just saying he yes. wants to be the recreation director. Yes, to all of that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And it was really fascinating because the thing that I love most about Connie Lynn, Connie Lynn is that she does terrific author's notes at the end. And so she really explained more about where the Masters of Games comes from, how she did her research. Like, it was fascinating. That they're, Honestly, I love I love historical fictions, but it's the author notes that just really You mentioned make that last best. time you reviewed I know. historical fiction. You were very upset that the author note was not... There was. Was no author, there was no, no author, and then there was nothing on the website. And you've been spoiled by authors like this. Yes, I've been. put so much effort. This is research. the standard. This, this is, is the standard. standard. This is it just makes it so real. Like if you've yeah. ever read the Old Testament, it's very dry, very yes. kind of boring. And then you read books like this where there's just enough of the history weaved in to mm-hmm. where it's like, oh my gosh, that probably totally happened. And yep. that's amazing. I mean, who knew they had UFC fighting, yeah, right? Like back yeah. then. talk about stuff like the Master of Games, because if there was no author note, I would be like, that's fake. Right? right. It sounds fake. made up. Right. Yes. Sounds made up. <laughs> yeah. But it was so fascinating. I'm going to geek out a little bit because she talked about how like in her research, like where they were probably geographically and mm-hmm. how very close it was to Greece where more than likely this city was and so she wrote like wrote a master like that obviously probably wasn't what they were called back in the day but she called it that because more than likely this influenced what became like the Greek Olympics yeah. and like later on and so it was like really fascinating so really loved that kind of thing and like she did so much research to get to that point mm-hmm. you know it probably there was like some false you know I mean it's a fiction yeah but, right. yeah <laughs> yes but like it like also had kernels like, of truth make it seem real exactly yes, yes. So, so before we started recording, you guys also mentioned that there was some role that the Ark of the Covenant had to play in this, correct? Yeah. You did. You kind of offhandedly mentioned it. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Indiana Jones style. No. no, no. Like this. So when in the first book, when they're very young, they're terrible uncle murders their Hebrew slave who is taking care of the children. And she says, go to the Ark of the Covenant, follow them. Like it's, it's all going to be okay. Just follow them. So that's what Alora attaches to. And that's why they follow this Ark of the Covenant through the woods for a very long time until they find Elazar's family who okay. ultimately adopts him. But Elazar's family, and I might get this wrong, Rachel, so please correct me. I have tried really hard to get better at this. Are Levites? Levites. Levites. And so they are the ones who take care of the Ark of the Covenant. They build the temple and everything or like the tent and everything to protect mm-hmm. it and they're like the guardians of the covenant. And so they stay with them and that's really what the first book is centered on is like someone trying to come and steal the covenant and Ark of the Covenant. And so then the second book it's still there because the emperor or king, you know, very much wants to find it and destroy it. So mm-hmm. he is, you know, playing all the games, you know, and feeding into Lucio being the master of games. But ultimately, his one desire is to find it and destroy it. But Lucio knows where it is because he grew up with it. Like, it's very easy to find. So that's where we that's where we end up. We don't want to spoil the ending. Of but. course. 
But obviously that's the one goal towards the end of the book. And sort of the character arc for Lucio is is he starts out as the whiny kid and then he becomes the street fighter who really grows up and, and realizes how great he had it, that mm-hmm. there was people in his life who loved him and there's there's nobody in his life like that now. And in the midst of that, Shoshana, which is who he was in love with before he ran away when he was 15, 16 years old and returned to Ashdod, he was in love with her and wanted to marry her, but she her dad promised her to somebody else, so he left and he was like, I'm out. Well, ends up, she got married, her husband died, she gets sold into slavery and she also ends up in Ashdod. Oh, as wow. a slave, as in, a Hebrew slave, as a yeah. Hebrew slave in the house of the woman that Lucio becomes engaged to, and so they meet each other again. Of course, they are still in love with each other and reconnect and all those sorts of things. So he kind of has to figure out what does he really want to do. Does he really want to be the master of games? Does he want to walk away from all of this? Does he want Shoshana back? What all of those sort of conflicting things are happening. Yeah. Does it follow Lucio's sister very much, or is she mostly just a sideline? She is a sideline in this book, but she is very much the main focus in the first book. Okay. So we we went through a Laura story in the first one, and she there's a wonderful arc at the very end where oh arc look at that oh, uh, arc <laughs> at the very end where she gets brought back in, and it's terrific. So. Can you tell, is this book setting up for another book in the series, or do you think everybody's story is done? I think from the end of this one, it feels like everybody's story is done, but nobody ever just writes two books in a series, so there's it's got true. to be more coming, do right? Okay, but, but there is something really cool about the covers for this book, which yes. makes me think that she may be done with this series. It's possible. Only because, let me describe the cover of for course. the people listening. So this one has a beautiful cedar tree, like the branch coming into it with a really brilliant sunset and an obvious, like, fighter on the front and it has a half of a scroll like with the title of the book and then you know the end of the scroll but it matches the first book so beautifully that when you put the two covers together they make one image and so it has his sister on one side he's on the other the scroll goes all the way across with both sides and then the giant cedar tree and she's like, standing okay. in front of the cedar tree. So when you see it, she's in front of it, but the branch comes off into, into his book. His book, and the yeah. Scroll ends on both sides. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it does a, really make it seem like it's a duology. right. So it's <laughs> yeah. almost it a bookend right there. Yeah. yeah. But she has written two other series that Rachel and I absolutely love. That Rachel introduced me to. And so one is Out of Egypt, and the other is Cities of Refuge. Three books in the first one, four in the second. Okay. So, so. she's somewhat random. So there might be only two in this Maybe one. I don't two. know. And yeah. I didn't feel like there was any character that were kind of hanging out there waiting for a story. So it could be the end. Maybe the king's daughter. Maybe, yeah. But it would have to be like quite a jump. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did it feel like the, since it is called the Covenant House like series, did it feel like the Ark of the Ark of the Covenant (laughs) was completed? Like as a... As an object, did it feel like you you saw like all the drama around it kind of fade to the background and everything was settled? I feel like it was. Yeah, okay. yes. I have to agree. Yeah, and then just bouncing it off of like actual biblical history yeah. that we can read from the Old Testament, it feels like that would be the end of okay. that. Yeah. Because I was, I was the only other thing I can think is that like, like if there's still some drama around that, maybe maybe there's another book. But yeah, I think I think feel weird if they made another book, but it wasn't about that at all because it is called the Covenant. The House. Covenant, yes. So right. it kind of yeah. has to have that in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I think I think she's probably closed out the series, but I'm excited to see what her next mm-hmm. her next ones are. Speaking so. of the author, how about you tell us a little bit about her? I think you did some research before coming on air. Yes. So I kind of, I followed her on Facebook and honestly, one of the, she was the first author I ever wrote back, I ever wrote 
to just say, hey, like, I really loved your books. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, me and my friend read them and like she introduced me and I can't get enough of them. They're fantastic. And she's the first author who ever wrote me back, which is also the first time I've ever wrote an author. So it was like one for one. And she was so sweet and so kind. And so we have followed her. She lives in Texas and she was adopted. So that is kind of where her and her brother were adopted. This is where her kind of passion, you know, for adoption and Alora and Lucio being adopted by Elazar's family really like came into mm-hmm. play. And so she has some kiddos that I think she homeschools herself. Yeah. And she's she's got a lot going on right now medically, but she's in her thoughts and prayers for sure. So she's a terrific author. She's really great. Yeah. Her yeah. books are very they're they're all biblical fiction so far. Mm-hmm. And again, they'll just take like one or two verses and then build this whole story off of it. So I just I yeah. love books like that because it just is fascinating. I do, to I me. do like when that happens because yeah. it feels like you never even thought about all of the things that could be happening in those like v- that verse or two. And then you get this opportunity to live in a world that's like basically just made from that foundation and it's just like oh gosh there's so much going on that i didn't even think about I, and it's no. so plausible right yeah. when it's a good author you go oh my gosh that could have totally happened yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. And she does so much research for it too which mm-hmm. i think is just so fantastic it comes so. through because you yes. really it really feels like it's that yeah. world so mm-hmm. yeah. it's pretty good it's so well written the game master concept was a huge one for this one was there anything else you learned about that time period that stood out to you anything anything that stood out not in this season series i know i felt a lot more in cities of refuge series Um, the only thing really that i loved about this specific book was lucio's house that was really cool tell him about the murals so like (laughs) he loved the outdoors and felt most at home like out in the woods and stuff like that and so he of course was very wealthy and built this huge house in this town of Ashdod and but when you walk in like he had murals all over the wall so the way it was painted it looked like you were outside in the woods and like the ceiling was blue and different things like that and I think that was so common back mm-hmm. then when you think about you know like Roman houses and different things like that I just love that concept of bringing the outside in and upstairs he had like this whole patio with the garden that was just this refuge and everything so like that beautiful. so every time they would describe his house and the, the way that they did the rock fireplace and all that kind of stuff i was mm-hmm. just like that's so cool <laughs> i would and live there he even brought up that he he hired like a master artist to do it and so then it kind of got me thinking about like wow like they artists we have so many artists now you know and like mm-hmm. levels and that sort of thing aren't as big of a thing i mean you have professional and amateur that sort of thing but like he's like i've hired the best master of artists like to yeah. do these and so and the architecture really cool. behind it like how they built it and just different things like yes. that i don't know it just that always fascinates me when you get that glimpse into sort of that other world that was yeah. the only other thing that really stood out to me, I think. So... I was interested in the ship racing, but oh, I, that's yeah, just, I that really didn't cool. think about that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, like when they started their merchant season, like they would first have all the ships race and it was like a big crowd affair. Like you'd stand on the shore and everyone would come out for it and, the, you know, that sort of thing. But when he did his version, he added in games because obviously the ships go really far out and you can't and see you them. Can't yeah. see them and then it's like this waiting game of like, are the ships coming back yet? And so he added in little small games, like almost as if you're at a backyard bar barbecue you know and you've got like cornhole ba- yes yes, yes. <laughs> yeah maybe you're throwing a volleyball around or something mm-hmm. you know like little things to keep everyone entertained and so it it kind of made me feel like wow he really brought that family that he was yearning so much for back in on the mountain with like under the cedar trees that he really wanted that feeling here and so he was trying to make that happen and it was very successful very successful and also our uh, initial food trucks like they had vendors that would walk around with food and sell mm-hmm. it and stuff like that so 
I think I love that's what I love he so really much. He really is the Parks and Rec. Right? No, he, <laughs> really, he really is. That's what I love about something like this is we we want to think as humanity that we're so advanced, right? And we are technologically, but when you think about things that have been going on for thousands of years, the concepts are all the same. We are the yeah. same type of people at our core, the same petty jealousies and the same, you know, all of that stuff really hasn't changed a whole lot. And I just I love that continuity. I think that's awesome. So I'm curious, this is my last question, but how did Lucio's uncle keep him under his thumb if he I is making all this money from that. fighting and stuff. So I think, and I might have misunderstood it, but I think that because he was the one arranging all the fights, like he was almost like his manager. Oh, okay. So okay. he was the one arranging all the fights. He was the one like making the wagers because obviously the way they made money was betting on, mm-hmm. you know, the two fighters. And so at the end, which we only see like really one fight with him under his uncle. And so he comes, his uncle comes to his house afterwards and drops like, a bag of money on the table and he was like I'm sure he skimmed more money off of it than he was supposed to. So I think that he's very much the one controlling the money and like the mm-hmm. scheduling so I think that's kind of how he stayed under his okay like thumb but because he then goes and gets all cozy with the king and gets this new job it very much makes uncle angry well and i think too like sabrina was very kind about it saying his manager i always thought of him as like his pimp right like that was how he Mm -hmm. controlled the thing and he would work the crowd and all those sorts of things and i think because lucio showed back up and his uncle took him in and he fed him and he took care of him and he arranges i think there was a sense of he owed his uncle to to stay that for a long time until he finally got to the point where he was like this guy's taking advantage of me and this isn't a good situation but it took him years to get there yeah because he was just kind of broken emotionally and i'm sure they're like especially because he's like yearning for family i'm sure there's a lot of like guilt and like yeah and all of that tied up with the idea of like well i have a family and i'm trying to leave a second one like but yeah that makes sense if it's like emotional as well as mm-hmm. financial yes yeah when you were describing the master painter i was like so he can leave he just he just doesn't know how like yeah and yeah. like he i don't think he at like in his early years could have done any Mm -hmm. of the planning for his fights and it took his uncle being well known and working with you know and so then his uncle also was very manipulative like you said like emotionally manipulative like like when he was younger he would get him drunk and be like okay tell me everything and like tell me you know so the reason he called him demonized was because it was a name that he was tormented with as a child Mm. so it was he hated the name absolutely hated the name like the moniker and his uncle used that to his benefit because he knew every time the crowd would be chanting demonize he would get so angry that he would be like one heck of a fighter so there was a lot of emotional abuse there too okay but when you finally go 10 years and you're like all right you know what maybe maybe i uh maybe i should do something else like i have money I could definitely beat him up. Yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe this is my time maybe to Maybe I don't need yeah. him. Yeah. But then the uncle would have all these things in his back pocket where he could sort of wreck Lucio's life, right? right. He yeah. could reveal things about him that he knew. And so there was kind of that oh, almost okay. yeah, blackmail. Yeah. He definitely kept it a secret that he lived with the Hebrew family. Mm-hmm. Like that was definitely oh, okay. something that other people mm-hmm. did not know of him. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for a second round of co-reviewing a book. Definitely. We always thank enjoy you. having you on the mm-hmm. show. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.